start at the beginning and basically just say, don't be too prescriptive of what the perfect career needs to look like, because I think that is a recipe for disaster. Instead, just follow your heart, follow what you know you like. When you find yourself in something you love, then learn from that and know that that's why, because you love something about it that you wanna make sure is a thread that can take you in the future. If you find something that you hate, really, really learn from that. Welcome to Lifting Up, Lessons from Verizon Women Leaders. I'm Nakiba Shinobi. In each episode of this special series, we celebrate a Verizon role model. We hear their success stories and gain wisdom from the ups, downs, and detours of their journey. By amplifying diverse voices, we learn the unique superpowers that each one of us brings to the table. This episode features Julie Hines, Chief of Staff to the General Counsel and Chief Administrative Officer, who is also the Head of Legal Operations and Innovation at Verizon. She came to Verizon with a fascinating background in business development and legal operations management and tells us more about her journey that led her here. We started off by reflecting on her unpredictable career, which was guided by embracing her passion and strengths. Julie's inspiring story and innovative mindset empowers us to turn the things you love to do into something that can create new opportunities that have never been experienced before. Today, Julie Hines is our guest, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to Lifting Up. Thank you for taking the time to join us today, Julie. Great. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. So I'd love to hear more about your multifaceted career and what led you here. Great. Well, uh, when I look back, it's so hard to believe 32 years I've had so far in my career, which doesn't even seem possible. The one word you definitely would never use to describe it is predictable. I have the most unpredictable, unexpected uh, career journey when I look back, I you know often wonder how in the world did I get here? And other people actually ask me that too. The case in point is that I'm currently the chief of staff to Verizon's general counsel, and I'm not even a lawyer, or have I ever been in a legal department? So that's a little bit of a, uh, <laughs> of a preview of the type of uh, non-linear, non-predictable journey that I've had in my career. Definitely. How has it been, you know, just being in an environment where you're not a lawyer and you're making things happen for people every single day. And I'm sure, you know, sometimes people are coming to you with things that you can definitely support them in. And then there's other things that maybe you're not able to support them in, or you're learning as you're supporting them through that process. Could you walk me through, you know, some of those experiences that you might've had? Sure, sure, sure. Yes. You hit it on the head. I think the thing I am most proud of is how I've been able to successfully take the career in various places without it being a, you know, quote, promotion or quote, you know, increase to another band. Instead of focusing on that part, I've really just somehow followed my gut, if you will, to follow my heart and follow the things I love to do. So sometimes you're working on something that you really love and you want to continue to 
do that and work on it and maybe in ways you didn't expect. And next thing you know, you're in a new position that, again, it wasn't like because I'm responding to a promotion and I just have to get to that next level. It's just, wow, this was a really cool project and I want to keep working on it. And next thing you know, it is my new job. I one time actually counted because I realized this was starting to happen to me. And so I looked at my resume and while I only had been in a couple of companies, at that point I had 15 different jobs in those couple of companies. And when I counted 11 of 15 were brand new jobs that didn't exist before I just kind of stumbled into it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's, it's crazy. I would have never predicted that I would have been able to do that. But yet looking back, I'm so proud that that's kind of how it happened. And I didn't get frustrated every couple of years waiting for somebody to come to me and say, you're promoted. Sounds super exciting to really pursue what you love along the way and, you know, learn as you're going because these are all new, brand new roles that you're now taking on, you know, like they didn't exist before then and, and there was a need and you filled that, that need, supported it. So just to build on the question you had asked me about being in the legal department uh, without being a lawyer, just to kind of start from there, I actually, down deep, I'm a business person. So I consider myself, you know, I've done leading revenue streams, running a P&L. I'm an actual, I've got my MBA. So when I really start from the start and say, what am I? That's really kind of most naturally what I do. But to give you a little bit of the diversity of types of things I've done. I'll just share with you some of these um, jobs and how different they are from each other. I actually led one of the uh, biggest projects that Sears Credit Card Organization had at the time by buying a bank and running the credit card receivables through that. I was a pretty junior employee start doing some of that just because my interest level it was the exciting thing that was going on. And so I jumped in and next thing you know it actually became my job. I started the first Sears MasterCard. Before that, they only accepted Sears card in the store. So that was a really, really fun project. I led the spinoff of Time Warner from AOL. And I didn't even know what spinoff was, what that even meant. But again, based on some of the things I was just doing, it was really exciting. And so I just started helping. And next thing you know, I was co-leading it. And then that led into leading the board of directors for AOL, uh, building the processes for board meetings, because now that we're spun off from Time Warner, we're now a public company. And so we had to build processes and things like that that we hadn't before. I've run call center operations, and then I've led business development doing deals. So bottom line is, it can take you anywhere. It's you know, following your interests, following your heart, letting that be your guide, and just do the things that you know deep down that you really like versus, again, looking for that, quote, promotion and always thinking somebody needs to come to me to promote me. With that, I think it's really impressive, your career and just how you've been able to really focus on what you do love and what you're really good at. And then what were some of the inspirations for the changes and steps you made along the way? I think I know some of them, but I'd love to hear (laughs) from your perspective of what those might be. So I know myself well enough to know my barometer for when I'm not challenged enough is when I start thinking about other people instead of myself. So every now and then you find your mind wandering, you know, why did my boss give him that assignment, not me? 
whenever I find myself doing that, I know I am not challenged enough. It's time to do something more because I shouldn't worry about anybody but myself (laughs) and getting my own job done. So one case in point, though, I will never forget. It was very, very clear to me that I needed to do something different. You know, sometimes it can come from a negative place and not just a positive. So I was working for AOL and at the time running a lot of the call center things. At AOL back in you know the days, we were in a point of time where layoffs happened on a yearly basis. Almost always you could count on a layoff happening. And so I had laid off a lot of people and I really really did not like that. But this single point in time was what really brought it to a head for me. I had to fly to Ogden, Utah and go to one of our call centers. At 3 a.m., I had to meet two undercover cops that were going to be on me that day. By nine o'clock in the morning, as I was done talking, their jobs were over. It was the point in time where I it just absolutely hit me. And I thought to myself, how did I get here? Like I didn't go to get my MBA to do this. It's gut-wrenching. I couldn't do it anymore. It just wasn't for me. And so I flew back and I thought to my I kind of practiced my resignation speech. And it was one of those moments where I thought, you know, I can't do this. It's not me. I will I'll, I will be miserable. So to my delight, when I came back and I started having that conversation about why I had to leave, they asked me, was there anything else that you might be comfortable doing that you'd feel better about? And so again, not that I had a long experience in business development, I did not. I said, let's give it a try <laughs> because I love business. I love negotiating. And so I led a team and did deals for AOL. And it was absolute lifesaver for me. I love how it was, at the time, a very negative experience for you. I can't imagine having to lay off so many people. And, you know, when you were walking in ready to resign, you were able to turn the, the tables around and it ended up being a really excellent experience for you. Exactly. So what is one thing that you wish you would have known when you were starting out your career? So have you ever heard the expression, never let them see you sweat? (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, I have so, heard that. There, I will say first, there are times actually where you want to live by that mantra. When I was doing the board, the AOL, I mentioned before that I had run some of the AOL board meetings. Things were as chaotic and as completely blowing up as you could ever imagine. But let me tell you, if a board member ever walks by and says, how's it going? You give them that big confident smile and you say, perfect. <laughs> so that's the exception <laughs> to my rule that I'm about to talk about. Yes. So the lesson learned, I would tell you, is that I was a very junior employee, just kind of starting my career, um, finished college. And I was you know, trying so hard to do everything right. And I'll never forget it. I had a very senior executive walk up to me and say, hey, Julie, can you provide this data for me? Does this report exist? You know, is that something that that we have? He just didn't know. And instead of being honest and authentic and saying the truth, I said, sure. Because all I could think of is if I don't just give him what he wants, you know, who knows what's going to happen to me? Like I have to be perfect. So literally I spent the next 12 hours working manual, manual, manual data to get this report pulled together And it was the next morning, I pulled an all-nighter. I was there the entire night. The next morning when this executive walked in and I saw him and I came up to him and, you know, very happily handed him the report and said, here it is. 
he probably wondered why I was in the same clothes that I was in the day before. <laughs> and <literally laughs> I did. But in all honesty, I didn't have the nerve to be honest and to say, you know what, it actually doesn't exist. And it might be something that we should invest in is some automation and some, you know, be, so that you could make better decisions. And he was, you know, looking back, he was a great guy. He would have absolutely let that be okay and not expected me to pull an all-nighter to have this perfect answer when in fact, I just didn't feel comfortable being who I am and being authentic and being honest and asking for help. It's okay. So I wish somebody would have told me that way before I pulled that all-nighter. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you feel like authenticity and honesty at that time in your life took a while to learn or do you feel like that one experience that you had just was a, a game changer for you? No, it it still took a lot to learn, you know, I think because unfortunately with the good come the bad. So, you know, that might have been an experience where I know he would have provided safety if I had, you know, done the right thing and been honest. But there are other cases, unfortunately, that it really isn't that easy. And you have a bad experience with a bad manager. Unfortunately, they, they happen and it sets you back and you can lose your confidence and feel like it's not as okay to be honest and to ask for help. So I do think, you know, as much as I would love that to have been the turning point and from then on I could do it, I couldn't. Um, but I did get better and better over time. And the more confident I got and the more the more I saw how much it in the long run helped me, the more it finally kind of clicked. I understand. It was a, a good stepping stone towards that direction of really stepping into your confidence. You know, I think a lot of us we struggle with advocating for ourselves and and just you know being our most authentic self at all times exactly exactly how do you prioritize and manage your varying responsibilities so that's a great question it's a hard question that gets asked a lot right <laughs> we're all we're all trying to figure out that golden answer um for me well I'm a runner. So first and foremost, when my stress level goes up, I need to run. It's just part of who I am and what I've always kind of done. And so that's always kind of, you know, part of me. But I also believe in working hard and playing hard. And so what I mean by that is I do work my ass off. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are times that, you know, I'm working way harder than I want to work, but I'm doing it. But when that's over and then there's a a little break in there and the project's done or, you know, we got to that milestone, whatever it might be. I cut off and I play hard. I have fun and I love the rest of my life. I love my family. I have between my husband and I, we have five kids. You know, I love spending time with them. I love spending time with my husband. I love to travel. So I firmly believe that, in fact, I always, I, I would advise people that ask me that question a lot about, you know, how do you do it all? I would say my version of work-life balance, I think is important to think about. It is not trying to solve for Monday through Friday, nine to five. Because if that's what you're solving for in this fast-paced world we're in with trying to have a you know important career, it, you won't solve it. You will fail miserably and it, it'll be a very big negative. So what I think about when I think about work-life balance is I need to know that when work is work, I can put everything I have into it and I can spend those all-nighters if I have to or the weekend or whatever it is. But there are other times where I need my company to respect that. There are times in my life where the other things are going to cause unexpected time 
constraints. I might have to care for somebody in a way I never expected to. I might have to spend hours, days, weeks, you name it, with a situation personally that I never expected. And that should be okay because in totality, you're achieving work-life balance. You're hopefully working for a place that lets you you know, be on when you're on and be off when you're not, or when you're, when you can't have, you know, we don't have the ability to be on because we shouldn't be on 24 seven. So anyway, that's kind of the way I think about work-life balance is don't solve for nine to five every day, Monday through Friday, because it won't, (laughs) won't go that way, but solve for the big picture in totality. For sure. For sure. I can definitely relate to that. I think that's very important. And again, it really depends on the environment that you're in. Some people are in environments where they're on on until they you know, can't go anymore. They might feel burnt out and overwhelmed. For anyone that is feeling those feelings, do you have any strategies on how to deal with being overwhelmed? Yeah, I would say, you know, another key point is, um, or another barometer for me is how well I sleep or don't sleep. I feel like if things are going well, generally, I just, I can sleep. It's just kind of a natural thing. We just all need sleep. But boy, those times when things get overwhelming, I think, you know, for some reason for me, I carry that in the middle of the night. And that's where the weight of the world is felt for me. And every single time when that happens, the next day never fails. If I get up and in the light of day, everything's better. And then, you know, for me personally, that's when running is important. If I'm running and I just had a sleepless night because of whatever I'm stressed about, for me seeing it in the light of day and running, it's always better because then it's reasonable. It's in bite-sized chunks. You realize, you know what, we can get through this. It doesn't have to be perfect. I don't have to do it all today. And then, you know, reasonability kind of starts to take over. So for me, that's another personal barometer of how when I know I need to take a step back and I know I need to, you know, whether it's unplug for a while or do something to be able to deal with the stress, it's if there's a problem sleeping, that's usually an indicator. When you do unplug, what are some of the ways that you recharge your batteries? I am a music lover. Um, so put Same. me in any live music uh, venue, really? Yeah, yeah, yes. love it. And I don't even care really what kind. Sometimes, I mean, my favorite is alternative rock, but I'll go to any live music. You you lay it out there and I'm there. So this coronavirus is pretty um, devastating for, for that activity at the moment. So I'm very, you know, hopeful that at some point that all can come back because that's a big, that'll be a big hole for me. But I love even, you know, how people are making do in this time and doing the different concerts virtually. And, you know, everybody's kind of on a different little square in the screen. I mean, I think that's, that's even fun to watch. So I'm a you know, music person. I do, like I said, I have a big family. So we, there's usually a lot going on with them, just, you know, various activities. Although, unfortunately, those have also stopped right now. So, but yeah, those are some of the things that I like to do. That's good. Yeah, it's it's always good to have different outlets to, you know, just revitalize yourself. And I totally agree with music. It's like, it doesn't matter what type of music, I can just pull up my iTunes or different videos on YouTube. And it's been pretty impressive to see how we've adapted as humans, you know, during this time. Like you said, Absolutely. little squares, little exactly. squares, that's what we are right now is just seeing each other and celebrating celebrations through the squares. And someone was telling me that 
they had a DJ for their birthday party and they like hired them for Aww. a Zoom call for their birthday. So it's like, oh, you know, awesome. you're just innovative ways to stay connected and recharge. That is sure. so awesome. And, you know, I heard somebody say, the, you know, we keep talking about social distancing and I heard somebody say, and I so, I fell in love with the saying was, it's not social distancing we need. We need to be a social now more than we ever have. It's being in person and being, you know, physical is the distancing, but not the social part. And so how can you do things like that? I love the DJ on Zoom idea. That's so great. And so I've been trying to do some of those things myself. You know, I've been trying, to, I've done some, you know, virtual happy hours with high school friends. And then I had my husband nice. do it with his high school friends. And now I've been trying to do it with my family, although it's a lot harder, you know, when you have some elderly people in the family that do not understand Zoom. <laughs> For sure. So, anyway, and it has, some of it has been fun. You know, I realized, well, why do we do it? all the time for work, we do conference calls every day, all day video. And we never even think about to introduce that into our friends and family. So that's been kind of fun too recently. Definitely. I appreciate that. It's, you know, there's, I moved from New York and I do have a lot of family and friends that are still there. So that's been one of the major ways to communicate is the visual, you know, because it's great to hear people's voices. But I think during this time, as humans, as an extrovert myself, it feels much better to be able to see people on the other end, okay. you know? So true. Very true. How has mentorship impacted your journey? Very, very much. In fact, i um, glad you asked that. I feel like personally, sometimes we get too caught up in the formality of a mentorship and for me, what has worked best is almost don't even think about it as a, something very formal. Just if you find somebody that along the way that you really respect and for some reason you, you, know, you admire them for whatever reason, just ask them. Just say, hey, you know, can we spend a lunch together? I just would really love to you know, pick your brain on a couple things. And before you know it, it can turn into this great mentoring relationship that you didn't even, you know, formally sign up for a program for or something like that. You know, there's two, two reasons. One is the person that you ask almost always is going to be flattered. I mean, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I really respect the way you blah, blah, blah. Can you talk me through that? Maybe we'll have lunch. How is that not flattering, right? So it's not, even if they're too busy and can't do it, they walk away going, wow, like that's, a, you know, I, I appreciate that they just said that to me. Number two, if you do build a relationship and you start to connect on a regular basis, if something goes on in the company and that person is asked about you or your name comes up, you have an automatic cheerleader in the room because it's going to be in their best interest to praise you and to bring you up and to help you. So it's almost a no lose scenario, in my opinion, if you can just do it very informally. And again, it doesn't even have to be called a mentoring program. But in reality, it is talking to getting advice from the people you respect the most. Who are the three people who have been most influential in your life? So there's probably been a lot of them. So I'll just pick a couple. Um, I would say the most recent one is my former boss, Julie Jacobs, was the general counsel for Verizon Media. So I was doing kind of the same thing. I was her chief of staff uh, for Verizon Media and before that AOL. And then Craig Silliman, the general counsel and chief administrative officer at Verizon, asked me to do the job for him. 
So basically I left her and started working for him for all of Verizon instead of just Verizon Media. And it was such a perfect, it was almost like I was cheating because we had such a great relationship. I would like started this new job and I was very intimidated and oh no, what will what will he say? What will he like? What will he not like? What if I do this wrong? And so I would just go to her first and say, okay, let me practice. <laughs> let me practice on you. It's so, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was so great. So, you know, here's what he asked me. What do you think about this answer? And I mean, she's, we, had, we have such a great relationship that, you know, I laugh now. She's probably thinking how I can't waste this much time with you, Julie, but, <laughs> but it, she was so great. And she had so much insight into, you know what, I think that's great, but maybe add this or maybe don't do that. And, you know, now obviously I'm, you've been doing it for a while, so I don't have that same need like I did getting started, but I would consider her a really great mentor for me. And even if anything happened unrelated to my job, I would always go to her as somebody that I can count on. And she'll be honest, you know, we have that kind of relationship that even if I don't want to hear it, she'll be honest. And that's what you need. You need to hear the Definitely. truth, not, not what you want to hear, right? Another uh, mentor of mine would be my husband, which is also good in a different way. He's a marketing executive. So he's been in the business world his entire career. But what's great is he's not in the same company. So when I'm describing things or not sure how to tackle this one with my team or whatever it might be, he is a great outside, you know, not sitting as close to me as Julie would be and she would know all the players and he can see things a little differently sometimes. So that sometimes is a good counterbalance to have an outside perspective. For sure. Um, and I guess the third, I would say, it, it's not as much a true mentor as it is, where do you learn the most from people? And it gets back to something we talked about a little earlier, which is sometimes I think you learn more from people that don't do a good job than you do from people that are that you respect and are nailing it. And so let's face it, we've probably all had bosses in our careers that we didn't think were perfect and we probably didn't love. <laughs> and I, my daughter just started her um, career after graduating from college. And, you know, she's had a couple of little blips where, mm, I don't know how to feel about that. And, you know, I'd say to her, yes, it's negative right now. It doesn't feel great, but never forget it write it down, think about it, because someday you will be that manager and you will be the one in charge. And you want to always remember that did not make you feel good. That was a very, very negative thing for the whatever it was for you, the team, morale, whatever it might have been. And hold on to that and remind yourself to never let yourself become that. So that's been, I would call it, it's not really a mentor, but yet at the same time, it has taught me probably you know, equally as much in my career as I lead people. Those experiences definitely can be some of the best teachers for sure. Exactly. It's like you have that moment. You're like, oh man, you, it takes you back and you're like, oh, that wasn't a really good experience. But now you're exactly. able to pivot with that experience and you're able to incorporate it. It might be painful in the moment, but if you can get through it, someday it will help you. <laughs> for sure. What does Verizon 2.0 mean to you? What I learned, what I started to realize was it gave me the permission to challenge the status quo. So I came into this new job and you know a lot in the world had changed. Verizon just had the uh, voluntary separation packages. So lots of new faces, lots of, you know, the team was new. Everybody's trying to kind of, you know, get into the rhythm. And 
one of the things I learned was that it felt like the culture needed a little bit of a, a shift in terms of people needed to feel more able to make change than I could see what was happening coming into the new role. And so I started a program called Duh, and it stands for the D is don't, the U is you, and the H is hate. So it's don't you hate it when. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And so it's really just, if you see something that makes you go, duh, then then raise your hand and let's get it on our project list and let's let's look at it. And so I launched it last December at the end of last year uh, with a really funny video, totally making fun of ourselves you know, just giving you examples. Like we literally were signing NDAs internally. We, in some cases, were making each other sign NDAs in order to do work together. And so it was, we all realized it was a ridiculous thing. Why in the world would we do that? And so we did this really funny video making fun of kind of a lot of stuff that, you know, just lighthearted that would happen. And it's like, stop, no, let's think about these things. Why do we allow that? So next time you see something... You want to raise your hand, just do it. And then we have a whole process in place now, our intake process, to be able to work through them and launch the projects. Some are very small, which is you know super great because they're easy. You can make a difference in somebody's life by making a tiny change. Some of them are very, very large and take a lot of resource, but in the end, we'll make a pretty big change. So as of now, we've received 127 of those initiatives since December. So it's super wow. exciting. And, and really, I kind of, I pointed all that back to Verizon 2.0. You know, now's the time. Let's think differently. Let's challenge what we do. So that's what it means to me. It means a lot. It really means a lot. That's an incredible effort. Duh. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> what are you curious about right now? So I would say I'm curious about a lot of things, but given we are in this completely unprecedented time, I am so curious as to what's going to change after this is over. How does life, does life go back to the way it was? Or do we learn things from what's happening today that we actually want to survive? So, you know, examples, we've proven this work from home thing can work. You know, will we go back? Will all of us, will some of us, if we do, you know, will it be different when we go back? Will, will human behavior be the same, you know, things like, are people more comfortable purchasing online? You know, have we, have more people tried DoorDash than maybe ever before? You know, I know I'm kind of depending on them these days. I'd never used them before this, you know, grocery delivery, telemeds, you know, getting prescriptions without having to ever see a doctor. I mean, there's just endless ways that we could really see life change for the positive after we get through all this. You know, I, um, in terms of my own personal work from home, I wrote a blog recently, very lighthearted, very thoughtless. I mean, I don't mean thoughtless, but you know, very lighthearted and fun and just about kind of my own experiences. Somebody asked me to put it on LinkedIn. So I'll probably do that soon if anybody's curious, but just to give you a hint at what it's about, it's called Holy Jeans and Yoga Pants. And it's, (laughs) it starts with a quote from my husband. It starts with, what happens when you can start working at the office again and you can no longer wear holy jeans and yoga pants? Said my <laughs> husband in passing one day. I'm sure that was a compliment. Thank you, sweetie. Okay, yes. 
So holy jeans and yoga pants are my new normal. And that's how it starts. <laughs> so I love that. I yeah, would subscribe to it. <laughs> yeah, it was just fun about, you know, some of the crazy things that you see every day now that you're in a whole different thing. And, you know, so, so I'm having fun with it. I'm trying to be lighthearted about it. I know I... I'm very, very appreciative of those people that aren't able to work from home and that are on the front lines for all of us. And at the same time, you know, we're kind of trying to survive the new norm of being at home. I know that, you know, even bigger is those people that are kind of at the front for all of us. So can't thank those people enough. For sure. My husband is an essential worker and I always thank him, but I'm so thankful for all of the amazing you know, everything that everyone's doing out there to make things happen. Exactly. You know, there's some fun things happening where people are, and I bet your husband has a million stories, but you know, little things like, like drawing on a rock or drawing something out, you know, but leave it at your doorstep, you know, thanks for all you're doing as the delivery people are dropping it off. And as our, you know, whatever is happening, Mm -hmm. trying to come up with creative ways to thank them and, you know, show them their, their gratitude. So that's awesome. Prior to COVID-19, did you work from home? No, I didn't really. You know, I, because uh, the team that Craig leads and I support is so big, it's, you know, they're all, people are everywhere in offices globally. So I find before this happened, I was traveling quite a bit. I spent time in Basking Ridge. I spent time in the Virginia office, the DC office, California. So I was kind of everywhere. Although because I was everywhere, I always used to laugh at people like people never expected me anywhere. So it's like you show up and they'd say, <laughs> whoa, like is Craig here today? Uh-oh. You know? <laughs> like, and it was really funny. And I realized I probably could work from home because, you know, again, it wasn't like I had a set schedule. I had to be at this location, that location. But I'm just so tied to people and what everybody else needs. I'm trying to help you know, support the department. So I naturally would gravitate to where all the people are. But truthfully, I can do my job, I think, just as easily at home. But I'm an extrovert. So it's hard for me to not be with people. So I think, you know, the day that it all goes back, we'll see because we're all learning together what that really will look like. But, you know, I'm guessing it'll be a little bit of a combination, you know, of working from home and going into the office, we probably won't have as many people in the office as we did at one time anymore. Um, so there's a lot of considerations we have to think about. So I'm, if I had to guess, I would probably expect that somewhere down the line, my future would be a, probably a combination. In your experiences of working from home, do you have any tips for people out there that are new to working from home and you know they're trying to juggle their, their work schedules, family? I know you said you have five children. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say for me, there's a couple of things. I would say number one is break away. You have to break away now and then. It's so, you get so sucked into what you're doing. And all of a sudden, you know, you went from breakfast to lunch and it's time for dinner without even hardly knowing it. Yeah, right. You get it. You, we all kind of have, it's just like, where did the time go? So you have to set breaks. You just have to do it. Because if you think about it, I, I, this hit me one day and I was like, wow, that's a scary thought. In a normal day, especially when I was traveling all the time, I was walking through airports, walking here, walking there, you know, Basking Ridge, for those familiar, you know, tons of walking goes on in the Basking Ridge office because the buildings are far apart. And in a normal day, just naturally, you probably walk miles and never even think about it. 
And here I'd find myself getting up at dinner time going, oh my gosh, I've been sitting here for most of the day. If I've walked, it's been, you know, 10 steps. <laughs> it's like, to okay. the refrigerator. <laughs> right, exactly. So I would say take breaks, purposeful breaks, and find your space. You know, I think your space can, needs to be your space that makes you comfortable. But I think it, somebody else gave me this advice, you know, change it up now and then. Don't always, don't always be in the same place. If you find that the weather's getting nicer, try to go maybe outside, you know, for part of the time and enjoy the weather while you're, you know, you can take conference calls while you're walking. You can do a lot of things. So don't short sight some of the, you know, things that you can do to try to get a little bit of that back, whether it's activity or, or just, you know, your own place. But yeah, I think those are some, some key things. And yeah, that last one you just joked about, yeah, don't eat out of boredom. (laughs) (laughs) It's not easy. It's not easy. I think there's a lot more cooking. There's a lot more DoorDash, grocery store deliveries. I feel like I'm ordering groceries every week. I'm like, exactly. Happened to my two week trips, but exactly. Oh, there's, I don't know if you've heard of the seven minute workouts, but the seven minute workouts, I heard Tammy Irwin talk about it on one of the Up to Speed episodes we had. And so, I gave it a try. I said, what is that? And so those are great because they're just super quick, 30 second, you know, um, whatever it might be that they're telling you to do. You only do it for 30 seconds. Take it, you know, and then they have like a 10 second break. Then you do the next 30 seconds. It only goes for seven minutes. What a great way to take a break throughout your day. So highly recommend seven minute workouts. Get that movement in that so many of us are not getting anymore. So exactly. Is that on YouTube or is it, is it a website? You know, it's an app, but you can get it. I think there's versions of it kind of happening now everywhere. So you, if you Google it, you'll see it, you know, it'll, you'll have all different kinds of things like that that pop up, but there is an actual app in the app store called seven minute workout that you can, that you can awesome. get. Yep. Highly recommend it. Going to check it out. Yes. <laughs> what is your personal mantra, Julie? Um. So it might sound corny, but (laughs) so my husband actually taught me this. He said, you know, our goal should be every day when you get up, you should think about out giving. How can I out give? Whether it's your spouse, your kids, your work team, whoever it is, think about out giving because what happens typically when things go bad and when things go south, whether it's your relationship again with your spouse or your kids or whoever, it's usually expectations that cause that, right? You, you go into it with an expectation and or a selfishness about whatever it is that you're, you know, you're, you're starting with me instead of starting with the other and out giving the other and let that be the challenge. And so it's really been an interesting mindset. I've, use that a lot when, you know, I, especially when I start the day, I think, you know what, out give, that's my goal. I'm going to out give. And even when it doesn't work and it goes south, your bad days are probably going to be better than if you hadn't thought about it that way. So it's crazy at how many times if I've had something go south, which we all have, you know, unfortunately too many times, I can almost always, if I really, really get deep and open up with myself, and self-reflect, it will almost always be because I didn't do that and I got selfish 
and I had expectations. So it sounds a little corny, but yeah, that's, I would say that's it. That's a powerful goal, honestly. I think that's a really great mantra to have. I'm going to take that into consideration. It's simple. it's simple to remember. It's hard to achieve sometimes, but it's mm-hmm. simple to remember. Yeah. Outgive. Is there anything that you want to say that you didn't get a chance to say today? I don't think that I didn't say as much as I would like to reinforce again. I think what I would like to do is start at the beginning and basically just say, don't be too prescriptive of what the perfect career needs to look like, because I think that is a recipe for disaster. Instead, just follow your heart. Follow what you know you like. When you find yourself in something you love, then learn from that and know that that's why, because you love something about it that you want to make sure is a thread that can take you in the future. If you find something that you hate, really, really learn from that. I always say to people, one of the other barometers for me, it's, it's weird how true it is. I'll ask people, tell me what you think of Sunday nights. And they'll be like, what do you mean? Because I have a theory. If you look at Sunday nights as just a normal part of the weekend, oh, it's, it's a weekend. It's great. I love Sunday. It's part of, you know, it's just the weekend. I always think weekends are great. Or do you hate Sunday nights? Because if you absolutely hate Sunday night, I'm going to bet it's because you hate your job. And I'm to bet because Sunday night represents for you, Monday is right around the corner and that's not good for you. And I personally went through that. I had a period of, of my career where I absolutely hated Sunday nights, but I didn't even know why I hated Sunday nights. I never connected the fact that I hated my job. I just, every Sunday night was like the, just the absolute worst for me. And all of a sudden, you know, it took a while to realize that that's because I hated my job. Now, I absolutely love my job. And Sunday night is great Netflix programming. It's, you know, the end of my weekend. I'm still loving my weekend. I don't even think about my Monday until Monday. So anyway, it's, I would say you'd have to ask yourself, you know, if you really hate Sunday nights, ask yourself why. And is there something about your work week that you might need to think about and work on changing. We spend way too much time in our life in that place called work. So make your Sunday nights count. (laughs) Thank you so much, Julie. I'm so happy you joined us today. Really appreciate all of your valuable insight. And there's so many takeaways that I'm sure listeners will have. I know I have some. Thank you. Thank you. It's been really, really fun. And I uh, really appreciate the conversation. And I hope you and I can actually stay in touch and keep learning from each other. Likewise. Thank you, Julie.